0: I'm Diane Hullett. Welcome to the Best Life, Best Death podcast. Today, I've got a guest that I want to introduce first, Sharon Emery. Sharon is a journalist and an author, and she's written a book called It's Hard Being You, A Primer on Being Happy Anyway. This book was a Michigan Notable Book Award in 2023, and Sharon writes with unflinching honesty about the limits in her life, limits as the mother of a child who died, having complicated sibling deaths, and then a lifelong stutter. Join me and Sharon as we talk about limits and happiness and so much more. So welcome, Sharon. So great to have you here.
1: Well, thank you for inviting me. I know it's a challenge um, for listeners to listen to me, so I appreciate you thinking outside the box and inviting me. So thank you.
0: absolutely. I think it's I think it's going to be a super interesting conversation. I loved hearing you last summer in Charlevoix talk about your book, and I think it's a really powerful read for people. So you know, I had the little introduction piece, but just tell us about yourself and how did you come to write this book?
1: All right. well, um so, I'm someone who, that that's lived long enough to have experienced uh, the, the good and the bad that that comes with living a full life. And now I've reached that point where I realise I need to be held accountable. For the life I've l- 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 lived, so um, so very briefly, I'm a person who st- st- struggles to speak, obviously, um, but I chose communic- communications as a career. So I've been a g- Journalist, a university instructor, and a PR consultant. Um, I've also been, and in fact, I am a mother, but I've lost a child. I've been a sister, but I've lost two siblings. But on the other side of the equation, um, I've also been a good friend, um, including to my husband of almost 50 years. Um, and I've ended up quite, quite, quite happy. Um, so, so, um, so I'm not, I'm not I'm not happy every single minute, but en- enough to know my good fortune.
0: Yeah, I love, I mean, the title of your book really kind of says it, right? Because the title of the book is It's Hard Being You. A primer on being happy anyway. Uh-huh. And I think, you know, what I took away from the book was just the the ways in which you chose to have these difficulties, these misfortunes, these tragedies shape you without breaking you. And uh-huh. you you say really clearly that, you know, at one point you write in the book, limits the loss of things, conditions, the people we love they don't so much define our lives as empower us to shape them. And it seems like that was part of writing this book for you was like, I'm going to take these difficult experiences and shape them into something that can be shared. Right, right. Yeah. In
1: writing the book, I was trying to figure out if the losses that I faced and the limits um, had come to any good um, if there was any value t- to them. And I came to realize that there was value. Um, and so essentially it was a process of answering the question uh, number one, you lived, so what? The the, the second question was you lived, who cares? And so I knew I needed to specify what the so what of my life was, and when I started thinking about that, I first thought about the death of my daughter, Jessica, who was 25 when she suffered and an epileptic seizure and drowned. Um, and the second thing I felt I needed to write about was the death of my sister, who was 46 when she jumped. I think believing she could fly from a bridge in Taos, New Mexico. Um, So researchers say that bad experiences have twice the effect of good experiences on us. So we need to consider the way these bad experiences affect us. We need to figure out what they have meant to the tra- tra- trajectory of our life. Um, as for the who cares question, I knew I had to Make sure my children, I have three other children, knew something about the amazing resilience of humans. Um, And I put myself forward as exhibit A um, in terms of that.
0: Yeah, I love that. You say that so clearly, like I'm writing this book for my children, right. so they, they understand the resilience of humans, how these terrible things can happen, and we come through them. And, right. and- you, you mentioned that as you started out writing, you thought you really didn't need to include your stutter. You thought, well, these, these two traumatic things happen, and I'm going to write about these experiences. And, and you wrote, I initially tried to tell this story without acknowledging the lasting limitation of my own life, my stutter. I thought I was avoiding self-absorption, but in fact, I was being less than brave. I thought that was such a powerful part. And, you know, we hear this kind of as a adage or whatever, like start with yourself. You know, that's the the important thing. What's your experience? But I think it's really powerful that you first thought, well, that's just a thing. Why do I have to write about that? And it turned out to be central to the story.
1: Right, right. What I didn't fully understand at the outset when I first sat down, to write was that the p- perception that my perception of my life story was not complete, which is a really hard realization when you realize I'm not seeing it all. And um and that's because I excluded the most persistent challenge of my life. And that's living with a severe st- stutter. Because I didn't want st- to want stuttering to define my life. I totally ign- ignored it as being a, 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 a force in my life, and that was a huge mistake, because um, that's where I learned to live. So so to address it, to address my stutter, I had to define my own terms. In my book, I don't use the word limitations. I use the word, the phrase, the limits that I faced. And there's a subtle but important difference between those two terms. Um, A limit is imposed on us from the outside. It's the furthest they'll let you go. Um, But a a limitation is internal. Um, It's a deficiency or a short coming that's implied in that word. So to my thinking, as you noted, limits don't define our lives so much as empower us to shape them. We determine the trajectory of the story around the limits we f- f- face. So once I was br- brave enough to um, find the right l- language, I could convey my experience of struggling to sp- speak. And I came to realize that it was a story I absolutely needed to
0: tell. Yeah, yeah. I, I love what you just said. I think you, you just underscored it so beautifully that the limits shape the trajectory of our lives, but they also what we do with those is, is not, it's not a limitation. It's a limit. It's a challenge that we face that we then are responding to Right, uh, right. another, another, oh, go ahead. Yeah.
1: Just, um, y- y- you know, in some w- w- ways you will almost feel kind of sorry for someone that thinks they can do it, d- 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 do anything because there are no parameters. No, there's no way to get a sense of portion for what you need to do. So, in a way, limits really focus you and, and make achievement in a way that much more not easier, but, but the road forward might be clear.
0: Yeah. And something, something almost sweeter about it. I mean, you said that your, your, you know, your career really was in communication and journalism. So the leap to writing a book wasn't that huge of a leap. Did you just sit down one day and start doing it?
1: I, I did, but it, took three years so it's not like it just poured out of me um but i knew it 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 was kind of like when i chose a career i knew it would be really a painful choice but i just had to Do it. And that's the way I felt with this book that um, these are places I don't necessarily want to revisit, but I need to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, I think you you had that kind of classic author experience, right? Where you felt like at first it was like I'm writing this for other people; they need to hear this story. And then in the right. process, you were like, "Oh, lo and behold, I needed to hear this story," you know, and and integrate the pieces and almost like retell it to yourself. Right. I have a question about the structure of the book is is kind of really beautiful because you actually separated out these pieces of your experience that had to do with dreams and Mm -hmm. kind of altered experiences. And you let those be their own chapters. And then you had the narrative about kind of what happened and, you know, family history and so on. That was the bulk of the story. But tell a little bit, if you want, about those kind of dream places, because I thought they were really beautiful.
1: Well, um, you know, I, kept a journal of those dreams because those were the only places where I could still see my daughter. So I desperately wanted to remember them and dreams are so easy to forget. So I wrote them down. And originally in terms of the book, I was just thinking of making an entire chapter of of dreams. Um, But I noticed that the dreams, there was no real progression in the dreams. Sometimes they'd be uh, very up Beat and I was thrilled, and then sometimes I was devastated. And so, in l- looking at them, I thought, "Well, that's the way grief is, um and grief is interwoven into your life." And so, that's the way I structured the, the book. That this this n- n- narrative. Curd, and then the dream and then some more narrative gr- gr- grief weaves its way through, through your l- life and that that's the way i used those dreams
0: beautiful that's that's so neat i think it would have been almost easy to keep those private, you know, to somehow be like, that's my private dream space. Mm -hmm. And instead you found a way to have them touch the narrative in a way that I think gives the reader insight into you. And also these glimpses of your daughter, for example, or just other pieces of how the story and how the grief was moving in you. Right.
1: They are for sure a a huge part of the grief, the story and of the trajectory out of grief. So yeah, we're very important to the the story.
0: Yeah. You, um, you received an award for this. Can you tell us about that? Um, Yes. My book has been named a,
1: a 2023 Michigan notable book and um it's been a wonderful thing because it's expanded the audience for what i have to say which is an incredible honor um and i feel a profound responsibility to communicate something of value and the limits that stuttering puts on me, it takes great energy for me to speak. And I know for people to listen, um, but it means I need to make sure every single word counts because I can't afford to struggle to say something that that doesn't mean anything. And I also feel a responsibility for expanding uh, our knowledge of human diversity people like me can struggle to speak and still be worth listening to. Um, and I need to get that
0: message out. Oh, said so beautifully, Sharon, I just can't even say I'm hugely grateful for your willingness to be on, I started to say, be on the radio. I always want to call this (laughs) radio, be on a podcast. And I know you did TV interviews in Michigan. And I, I can imagine that that takes an intense amount of God is courage, like too cheesy of a word. It just feels like it would take perseverance, you know, and some kind of, okay, I'm going to do this, that um, that's challenge. So, right. Right.
1: But, um, but, you know, um, we really Do need to improve our appreciation for human diversity, and and I want to be a part of that. So, yeah, very exciting.
0: I just had another podcast conversation with someone about disability at the end of life, and we were talking about the range of what people's needs are when they come with a disability at the end of life and how the medical team or the hospice team doesn't always know what to do and how might there be, you know, some additional training. And the number one thing she talked about was the importance of communication. And if there's challenges with communication for a person at the end of life, that's, that's, then you have to find other ways to communicate oh. than the straightforward what you expect. And so I think about stuttering is being sort of in that category of how do you make space for that? How do you expand your understanding? And like you said, make, make room for diversity of humans.
1: Right, right. Well, so in those instances, would the p- 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 patient be unable t-
0: t- to speak? speak? Is that what you mean? She was talking partly about situations where people maybe lose communication or Mm -hmm. they have less communication. And so maybe the medical team that's used to talking to the patient actually needs to talk to the caregiver who knows how to read the subtle cues. And so are they ready to pivot in that way? Can they do that? Does the person respond just by blinking? And can the medical team slow down in order to hear what the client slash patient is trying to say in maybe alternative ways? Right, right. I think um, another
1: aspect of that is that if a person does lose their ability to speak, um, speech is such an important part of who we are. Uh, w- w- words are a uniquely h- h- human form of communication, and w- w- when that they escape us, um, it's it's a loss. Um, that that I think we struggle with, with, with. I know I've struggled with. The man who wrote the forward to my book, Steve Gleason, is a f- f- former uh, a, a NFL pl- 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 player now l- l- living with with. ALS. And Steve can't move, let alone speak. But, um, But when he was first at the diagnosed in 2011, he started to bank his speech so that computers can learn how he speaks, which is important to each of us. It's intricately woven into our identity. So now, even though a computer speaks for Steve, It's with some of Steve's own voice and inflection, which is incredible. Um, So that is incredible. I love that story.
0: That's a gorgeous story. In fact, that was another quote that I had written down from your book. Speech is tightly woven into identity. And I I love that you pull out both speech and then also the limits and the loss of things. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Sharon, for coming on today and sharing your story, telling us about your book. You can find out more about Sharon and her work at Sharon-Emery, that's E-M-E-R-Y, Sharon-Emery.com. And you can find out more about the work I do at bestlifebestdeath.com. Thanks again, Sharon. Great. Thank you. You've been listening to the Best Life, Best Death podcast with Diane Hullett talking with Sharon Emery. Thanks so much for listening.